The following pendant Hello and welcome to the commentary for The Kingery, Season 3, Episode 10. This is called Two Truths and a Lie, and it was written by Susan Bridges, who's with us today. Hi, Susan. Hello. On the Kingery. And assistant director is also with us today, Christopher Stoddard. Yo. Welcome, Chris. Hey. Uh, let's see. Right now, we're listening to the previously, and the music in the background is Somebody Else's Sand Dance by David Alexander MacDonald. And um, Fiona Thrale as Sylvia is not in this episode, so I um, had her introduce the previously, and she says previously on the Kingery, in the character of Sylvia, as if she disapproves of the show and every single previous episode, and I just loved it. So we're hearing um, the big shootout and the riot. I had a question about this title, Susan. Two truths and a lie. That's a game, right? <laughs> well, you know, it's a little bit of a... It, it's, it's a little looser than that. So I'm not saying, you know, you need to play the game with the episode and figure out which are the truths and which are the lies exactly. But, like, uh, it just sort of came to mind as sort of a theme of the episode where, like, you've got Sarah telling Regina about her past, and one of the things she confesses was that she lied. She lied to her family about the things that she was doing. And then when Shimizu talks to Regina, he's, like, twisting the truth to get what he wants, even though, you know, he's not really lying to her, but she's really not sure. So, like, when you when you don't quite trust someone, you're kind of looking for the hidden lie. So, right. and then with um, Madeline and Staten later on, she knows something's up and something's not quite right, but she doesn't know what it is. So I kind of, that's just what came to mind. Okay. No, you're trying to well, build cool. for something I don't have. Look. And here is Sarah and really Regina. Right. And Regina is played by Jane Parrish and Sarah is played by you, Susan Bridges. Yes. Yeah, it's me. <laughs> and Chris mixed this scene together. And let's see, the music is Stars in My Pocket Like Grains of Sand by David Alexander MacDonald. Chris, what was it like mixing this scene? This was the first one you actually let me do the sound effects on, so I feel honored. This scene was pretty much straightforward. I mean, two people talking, you know. Do you feel okay? I didn't find any. To be honest, I didn't find any real challenge in doing it. Uh, The performance is pretty much uh, made the scene for itself. I had to do very little. Yeah, Susan, I think you and Jane are doing a great job here. Oh, thank you. No family. Welcome. No boyfriend. Why do you stay? And this is a scene that you added to what was specified in the outline. Um, would you mind? Yeah. Would you like to tell us why you why you did that? Well, kind of. It was uh, the scene that was actually in the outline was Regina and Shimizu. So I knew Shimizu was going to come, and at the same time, I wanted to show Regina that she's still really busy and kind of frazzled because it's kind of been the recurring theme of her running the cannery. So I thought we would, I, I would just have a scene with Regina talking to Sarah, at least you know something work related and how you know. Really. 
that it was supposed to be Regina is busy. That's all it was really supposed to be. But then when I started to have Regina and Sarah talk, it's like sometimes when you're writing, you get a question in your head. So and, and you just have the characters answer it for you. So, like, I realized she's talking to her, and Regina and Sarah, we've established, they're, they're good friends, and Regina really likes and trusts her implicitly. But, I mean, the question is, who is she and why is she still here, considering all the crazy crap that's been going on at the Kingery, which, you know, would drive some people to drink, you know? So I'm like, right, right. why is she here anyway? Why does she like this place? And, you know, you find out she kind of had a bit of a crazy past, and she likes it here, and people respect her, and she wants to hang on to that. And so that's just what kind of came out from that question. We can sit down and talk about your family. I like that. Yeah, that's cool. Okay, bye. And so now we have Shimizu, who's played by Michael King, entering. Regina, how are you? And the music changes to a song called Cyberspace is the Place by David Alexander MacDonald. Very challenging. It is, definitely. Far more challenging. Oh, smarmy, smarmy Shimizu. You're doing an admirable job. Yeah, he's always a little slippery. Yes, he is. It's left. But very charming. People on edge. Yes, but and wonderfully done by Michael King. It seems that violence is a part of the Kingery's history. Susan, what did you find the easiest uh, part of this episode to write? Well, I can tell you not this scene. I always find Shibizu to be difficult because, you know, like, with the outlines, they're not very specific. And so I know what has to be conveyed. But with Shimizu, everything's so subtle. You're always trying to just slide things in and, and lead people in a certain direction. Right. But I felt like... Um, without without saying anything directly. Right. With, Sh- with Shimizu, it always has to be indirect. Yes. Where he's, it It's like a person who, you know, is really good at sales, where they are leading you to the decision and you don't even know you're being led there. Yeah. So... The, but the easiest was um, probably Debbie and Hooks at the end. I really liked how that one came out. And uh, uh-huh. Madeline and Staten, I think I just like to write cops. <laughs> and how about the hardest thing? Um, the Shimizu episode? Yeah, probably this one, yeah. Figuring out exactly how to slip all those things in. <laughs> I wanted to check on you and offer my services. If you're afraid for your safety... Right, well, I thought it came out very well. Thank you. And, yeah, I I was sure he would be offering his services, you know, at every turn. Because he, he seems like the kind of person who, you know, you don't want to be beholden to him. But he wants to make sure that you are. <laughs> yes, right, right. There's no telling what Mr. Arkell might do next. Right, always trying to do favors that have hidden strings attached. Exactly, yeah. If you were to sell the kingery, please, you don't need to answer now. But if you were to sell it, my colleagues are well prepared to guarantee the security of this facility. And, of course, your personal safety. But, you know, it was fun to find a little Bible verse for Regina. It seemed to, for me, it harkens back to the shepherd, you know, because he was always quoting scripture. 
Mm-hmm, right. It was kind of fun to like do a touchback sort of on that sort of thing. Right. Right. And we're not quite there yet, but we will be. The stuff. The stuff that she says after. Uh, yes. Shimizu leaves. Right. Yeah. Consider what you've said in serious and prayerful thought. And really, also, it helped her talking to Sarah about you know the danger and what's happened and the shootout and. To help yeah, kind of ramp up her feelings on the issue before done, Shimizu came. And what I had toiled to achieve, right. Right. everything was meaningless. Yeah, Chris and I were talking, I don't know, a couple episodes ago about, uh, or maybe it was last episode, about uh, Regina's religious mania. She really seems to have caught it pretty hard. Oh, well, you know, I think really it's a great comfort to her because really she took Adam's death really hard. So yeah. I think... A lot of people naturally fall into that sort of thing after a tragedy. Yeah. Even more than she already was. And she already was right. drinking and she already was pretty hard. Pretty, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, she was. What, you didn't want to get out so now the scene shifts to some bar in Sector 92S. <laughs> and the... Music in the background is Oblate Dub by David Alexander McDonald. I hope I'm saying that correctly. Probably not. And this music is very heavily filtered to make it sound crappy. So the song is actually much better sound. So if you, if you think it sounds like crap, don't blame, blame David. Blame me. Because uh, I thought that... Um, and you know, from the bartender's attitude. attitude, that this whole thing was really kind of a, a run-down seedy bar that was probably not well kept up and all that stuff. And I was trying to suggest that it was a dive, basically, with the music. And I, um, so I tried to filter it and make it sound like it was coming out of some crappy beat-up type of uh, sound system instead of a. a a fancy new in the future sound system, and I maybe not have done the greatest job in the world, so it just kind of sounds kind of nasty. Well, between that anyway. and the bartender, I think it worked. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so let's see who's in this. Um, Alicia Lane Matheson is playing Madeline Gray, and Brian Finnegan is playing the bartender, and Russell Gold is playing Staten. And I thought. Um, uh, everybody's doing a great job in here, uh, especially like uh, some of Alicia and Russell's line readings. They're really marvelous. I had to agree. They were very good. And the background music, I, you know, I had in my sound effects library, I have several bar and pub background sound effects. And they all sounded too lively and too happy. <laughs> Sounded, and so I wanted this to be like, you know, a, a dive. And so I found a cafe type sound effect. And, um, oh, very good. So I just, I put that in the, in the background and I kind of liked it. There was a little subdued conversation and some, uh, some silverware and a refrigerator coming on every now and then. Nice. And of course, and of course the crappy sound system. <laughs> And somehow I thought that that all indicated that we're somewhere in the ass end of the universe or something. <laughs> I definitely think it works. You two went to Price and Valentine yeah. Jewelry. You and Dad both took Focus P. So fucking what? Everybody took that shit back then. It was legal and it was documented. Yeah, except Dad wouldn't have taken it. I really it like uh, 
Russell's performance of um, maybe he didn't take it. maybe he took something else. Oh, I can't remember the line now. It's a uh, so okay, sure, fine. You're here, so ask. It's it's that line. I just really like. Um, he's like doing all these uh, volatile changes. He's quiet. He's loud. He's sort of resigned. He's angry. It's like all this uh, tremendous mix of emotion coming out in that in that one single line. I really like that performance. Yeah, that was very good. He's still alive, you know. So am I. Yeah, but it ain't him. And this is pretty shocking here, Susan. What? Huh? To say <laughs> when uh, Maddie says he's still alive, you know, and uh, Staten just comes out and says, yeah, but it's not him. Not really. I thought that was sort of a shocking thing to say. But I think that's that's who Staten is. That's the kind of guy he is. He, yeah, he doesn't seem too terribly concerned with hurting people's feelings. Right. Yeah. Right. I know. As you said, you like um, writing for cops. I do. <laughs> and, and apparently ex-cops, too. Salty cops. Yeah. Kind of makes you wonder where that plot line is going, though. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's good. Yeah. Glad, that's glad what, it, glad we're it doing our jobs. Wonder. Yeah. <laughs> Good work, Susan. Yay, Tommy scene. I like the scene a lot. That's all you got? Hey, Good. All right. I love all the sound effects and the craziness oh, yes. and the ad-libbing. Oh, my God. Love it. Yes. Pete and M and their ad-libbing. Yes. So we have uh, Pete Milan playing Tommy Arkell. We have Perry Whittle. Hey, that's me playing Hooks. And M. Sierra Garcia playing Major. And the music is Crankin' by David Alexander MacDonald. I don't know if you could hear, but Hooks has kind of a timid knock. It's uh, like a little hesitant. And um, I don't know, maybe he, maybe it sounds like he thinks it's cool, but I, I just, I, I was worried because I, tr I tried to make it, give him a little hesitant, timid knock, but mm -hmm. it might sound like he thinks it's cool, but he doesn't. He, he knows it's not cool. So this stuff with the, um, you wrote this stuff about, you know, keep it on the on the tile, get it off the carpet. And, right, right. Uh, I just wanted to, um, you know, pay homage to Fibber McGee's closet, you know, the time-tested audio joke, lots of sound effects, lots of junk falling on the floor. And um, I just, I really liked M's performance because Major sounds so incredibly happy. Hey, oh, look, yeah. I got all this junk. <laughs> And well, I really like had... the hyperventilating noises here, by the way. But yes, go on. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, she uh, she had some issues in the last episode, so that's why she's happy. <laughs> yeah, right, right. She's not wearing those horrible, horrible clothes anymore. That's true. So now we're in a corridor outside Tommy's place, and Shane Nolan is playing Debbie. And I think Shane is just fantastic in this scene. Honestly, I felt like she just kind of falls right into the role for me. I, like, don't even notice anymore. Yeah. Although I felt bad that I didn't have Hook say her name in the scene, and I was kicking myself for that. Oh. Whoops. Yeah. Got it. Yeah, I find that very hard to pay attention to when I'm trying to write. 
Right. I forget sometimes. I'm like, because for me, it's like, well, I know her. I know who that is. Of course, everyone does. I agree with you. Right. You are not a criminal. So my bad there. Yeah, right. But let me ask you something. Yeah. But this guy playing hooks, he does a pretty good job. I was impressed. <laughs> really? Yeah. I really liked the what, how could you know that part? That was great. Whoa, whoa, whoa. He just sounded so surprised. Well, no. No. I like the things where um, you write hooks as if he's still going off in one direction and then he has to adjust and go back in the other direction. Like, um, like when she says, you're right, you're not a criminal. And he's like, no, but you see, the thing is, oh, wait, what? Right. <laughs> you agreed with me? What? The family needs this. You're a goddamn hero already just for planning this. You know that. I don't feel very heroic. I know, but... Oh, yeah, so what's it like being a hero? Tommy trusts you, and so do I. So, hey, got a spare jumpsuit in there? What, what do you think you're doing? You helped me, Hooks, when I didn't deserve it. So the least I can do is help you. Yay. So coming with you. So she's coming along. Well, that should be exciting. Yep, and like I said with the outline, it's kind of like, Debbie's coming along. So I have to figure how, out how that happened. So the scene was bored. <laughs> right, right. There we are. The Kingery, Season 3, Episode 10. Well, and now we hear theme music. Yeah. And, which is also by David Alexander MacDonald. I guess I never say that, do I? Um... Michael and we have Bruce Busby reading the credits, wonderful as always. Yep. And kudos to everybody who contributed to this episode, starting with Susan for writing and ending with Chris for assistant directing. Yay! Any last thoughts, anybody? No, I thought it was a great episode. Yeah, it was a great episode. Can we hear what happens next? Great episode. We all agree. And, yeah, what happens next? I have no idea. Do you? It's getting, it's getting hot and heavy. Getting hot and heavy. <laughs> we'll be back in about a month to show you what happens next. Yay. Awesome. Can't wait. Bye now. Bye. Bye-bye.